Amen. Let's turn to Psalm 135 today. Psalm 135. This psalm is a little bit longer one, nothing like Psalm 119, but uh, it's got 21 verses in it. So we're going to read it as we go along. Um, won't read it all at once at the beginning like we do sometimes. But God is so high above anything that we know or have experienced, that's for sure. He is much higher than us. Uh, we have, uh, don't have any hope of knowing who God is or what he is like unless he reveals it to us. Uh, man cannot see the spiritual. Uh, it is all around us, and everywhere around us. There's a spiritual war and spiritual forces that are warring against each other. If we saw, we probably would be terrified. We'd probably never get any sleep. Uh, but uh, God is at battle with uh, the devil and the demons all around us. Uh, if we saw it, we would probably take our walk with God a lot more seriously, though. Uh, God has uh, chosen to blind humankind from seeing with our physical eyes beyond the veil into the spiritual world. Uh, but God wanted us to know him. And He wanted, even though he's spirit and we can't see him, he wants us to know him. And he longed for us to have a relationship with him. And so he chose to reveal himself to us. And he started with individuals like the patriarchs and revealed himself to them. And then through the prophets of old who spoke the revealed words of God to his people. And then through the written word of God itself, as God revealed himself, uh, his plan, his love, and his will for us. Uh, then he revealed himself perfectly through his son who lived here on the earth. And when God himself came and made himself one of us, it was the perfect revelation of God. And God lived a human life as one of us, with us, experiencing everything that we experience. And uh, he revealed his plan through him. Then God, the Son, went back to heaven. And God gave us the Holy Spirit uh, so that he can use God's revelation in his word and show us, teach us, and mold us to be more like his revelation. And God, uh, as God revealed himself, his plan, his love, his will for us, uh, shows himself to us through the word of God. Uh, one day we'll see him face to face. Uh, and I believe that the veil between the spiritual world and the physical world will be removed. And we will see God even though he is spirit. Uh, that's just me. If you disagree with me, that's fine. You can, it's okay. We can still be friends. Uh, but with all that God has done to reveal himself to us and to reveal his plan to us, to reveal his will for us, to reveal his power so that we can fulfill his plan and his will. Um, oh, how much we need to praise him, amen? And that's what this psalm is about, is praising the Lord. And Psalm 135 is a compilation of quotations from other scriptures. Uh, it's a call to worship and praise of our God. I can give you this uh, some other time, but as you can see, this has the, all 21 verses, and it shows the verses where the reference, where it came from. You're probably not going to have time to jot all of that down. If you want it, then I'll, I can give it to you. But uh, when we need him, he hears us, and he speaks to us through his word, and through nature, and through other people, and many other ways. And we need to look nowhere else uh, for our help but God. And we need to praise him for his goodness and help. So in verses 1 through 4, I want to look at that we need to praise him for his mercy. 
Praise him for his mercy. Read with me verses number, uh, with me verse 135, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. In these verses, there is a command to praise the Lord given five, excuse me, five times in four verses. And we can see the importance of praising God here, can't we? Uh, verses 1 through 3 give the commands, and verse 4 gives, uh, four, uh, gives the reason. Uh, for the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Uh, out of his vast mercy and grace, the Lord chose the house of Jacob for himself. Uh, he could have chosen from any one man in history, uh, but he chose Israel. In the same way God has chosen Israel to be his chosen people, the Lord has also chosen us to be the recipients of his grace. Ephesians 1.4 tells us, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He has chosen us. Even before the foundation of the world, he chose us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. We are chosen, his precious treasure. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Uh, he has chosen us, the Christians, to serve him and have become his people. And a privilege reserved only to one family previously, the house of Levi, to serve the Lord. Uh, and now, and especially in his house, but now we are chosen to serve him, to stand in his house of, in the house of our God, and to stand in the courts of his house. He has chosen us now to be his royal priesthood, uh, and let's not take that for granted. Amen. Uh, we're not chosen just to receive when we come to his house. We're chosen to give out. Uh, we we're, we're, we give of ourselves as a living sacrifice to give of ourselves to each other. And to give of ourselves as praise to God. Now we have been given the privilege to come into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. A privilege reserved only for one man under the Old Covenant. But now the doors of the throne room are wide open to any of his children. And they have access to him. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain, uh, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 6, verse 19 of Hebrews says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19 tells us, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have access directly to the throne of God. That's not supposed to say more. I don't know why it does. Uh, but I do know why it's because it's the first word of my next line, I think. Uh, more than anyone in history of mankind, we have experienced his goodness. And we have been given the privilege to know him personally as our father. And to them, he was their God, Jehovah, 
but to us he's Abba, Father. And we need to praise him for his mercy, amen? Secondly, in these verses, we see praise the Lord for his power. Verses 5 through 7 says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain, and he bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. The Lord is much greater than all the other so-called gods. He controls all of creation. Not only did he create it, but he controls it. And how, how do we know he's so much better? Uh, because he is the creator of heaven and earth and the seas and all that is therein. Uh, he has established the water cycles on the earth and to give us the blessings of rain and the, on the earth and all that comes with that. We have food, we have meat, we have shelter, all aided and sustained by the water cycle that God has created and God maintains. His power is seen in the creation throughout the uh, power of the lightnings and the power of the winds. And he controls it. He's the master of the sea and the winds. Uh, and he's in control. Oh, how much greater is our Lord than any other false god that's out there. Amen. The only thing that those gods or demons behind them can create is confusion and chaos. Uh, but our God is a creator, a God of order and beauty. We need to praise him for his mercy and we need to praise him for his power. Then thirdly, we need to praise the Lord for his judgments. Uh, verses 8 through 14 here. Who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast? Who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of them, uh, midst of thee, O Egypt, unto Pharaoh and all, unto all his servants? Who smote great nations and slew mighty kings? Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for an heritage, and heritage unto Israel his people. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. Not only is he powerful enough to create, but he's powerful enough to judge righteously among his creation, the men of the earth. And here we see Israel reminded from the previous scriptures how God worked in their lives. He smote the firstborn, both man and beast. He showed signs and wonders before Egypt. Bring up that chart that I have there. Each of the ten plagues was a direct judgment and attack against the various gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And uh, every time there, were, there was a plague, it, it attacked the gods of that, uh, of their, that they had worshipped. And to show that he was stronger than anything else. Again, I won't have time to uh, look at all of this. If you'd like a copy of this chart, I can get it to you. But God wanted to make sure that the Egyptians knew who he was and who, that he was in control. And now he wanted to remind the Israelites who won. And years later, after this, uh, this exodus, he wanted to remind them who was in control and who won. And uh, remind them to praise him for their victories. Uh, again, I can make a copy of this chart if anybody's interested. I know that you don't have time to read it all. But he has, he has more in control and uh, more power shown than just Egypt. Verse 11 mentions mention Sihon, the king of the Amorites. We find this in Numbers chapter 21, verses 21 through 24, where it says, And Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the waters of the well. We, remember, this is, you know, millions of people. This is a great number of people that are traveling through. 
Uh, if they turned into the fields and turned into the vineyards, they would have wiped them clean like locusts. <laughs> you know, and they're saying, we're not going to clean you out. We're just going to walk through. And he says, but we will go along, the king, along, along by the king's highway until we be past thy borders. And Sihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his borders. But Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon unto Jabbok, even unto the children of Ammon. For the border of the children of Ammon was strong. Uh, he, uh, that when this king wouldn't do what God wanted them to do, God gave them the victory and gave them the strength to it. Then he mentions that he smote Og, king of Bahan, in, his, in the same chapter, but in verses 33 through 35. He says, And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, went out against them, he and all his people, to the battle of Edrei. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not, for I have delivered him into thy hand, and all his people in his land. And thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So they smote him and his sons and all his people, until there, be, there was none left uh, him alive, and they possessed his land. Uh, then in general, after he mentioned these two pe people, in general he praises God for the defeat of all the king kingdoms of the Canaanites. Uh, which as a result gave the Israelites their promised land. Uh, verses 11 and 12, again, it says, um, uh, And all the kingdoms of Canaan I gave their land for an heritage, and heritage unto Israel his people. And God is a God of mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. Uh, he is their great God, and he's our great God that loves them and loves us, that created them and created us that showed forth his mighty power, that judges those who stand against us. Is it any wonder that the psalmist now turns to, in verse 13, and praises them again? He says, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. The very name of the Lord will endure forever. Uh, many come and go in this life, and their name lasts as long as their families remember them, or as long as their tombstones sit, and someone comes along and finds that tombstone. But God's name endures forever, amen? Always. His memorial is seen throughout all generations, not just a generation or two. Aren't you glad that this is the God who judges his people, amen? Now the, world, the word judge here is not just an idea of bringing judgment only, it's actually a verb, and it brings, means to bring justice, to plead the cause for, in some cases. And the words, uh, will repent himself concerning his servants, is not a repenting of wrong or sin. He can do no sin. Uh, although it can mean to be sorry or change one's mind, in the Hebrew, this word has a feeling of compassion with it for someone or for something. To feel sorry for that person is the idea that we're talking about here. Or to avenge that person because of your compassion. And what a wonderful God and worthy of all praise. Amen. Uh, the psalmist reminds us to praise the Lord for his mercy. And he reminds us to praise the Lord for his power. He reminds them to praise the Lord for his judgments. And then number four. He reminds us to praise the Lord for his superiority. Verse 15 he says. 
The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are alike unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in him, in them. He is far superior than any other idols or false gods that the heathens have. They are made of temporal, earthly materials. Even if they're silver and gold, they're still the works of man. I don't want a God that I create, amen? I want a, I want a God who created me. There's much more power and much more ability than I have. I want to worship something greater than my handiwork can make. These idols have mouths, but they cannot speak. My God has no mouth other than Jesus's. He is spirit, and yet he speaks. Amen. These idols have no eyes, but they cannot see. My God has no eyes, and yet he sees everything, and in every place at all times. Even the deep recesses of my heart he sees. The idols have ears, but they cannot hear. Our God has no ears, but he hears me every day when I cry. Even in the darkest and most remote places on earth, he hears. He can hear my whispers, my heart's cry when even I can't speak. He hears. These idols have no nostrils or mouths, but they cannot breathe. My God, my God has no nostrils or mouth, but yet he breathed life into, the, into mankind. Even his spirit... Numa, meaning uh, word literally meaning breath, breathed out the very scriptures that we hold in our hands. These idols are made like unto these men that worship them. But our God created us in his image and likeness. He is far more superior than any other false god. And those who trust in these false gods, the Bible says, uh, so uh, they, they trust in these, and so is everyone that trusteth in them. They're limited. They're bound. They cannot really see. They cannot really speak. They cannot really hear. They cannot really breathe. They're limited just as their gods are. Oh, how different are we who serve the Lord than those who worship idols. Our God speaks to us through his word. He watches over us and sees everything that we do. He hears us when we cry to him in prayer. He breathes on us through his Holy Spirit. The worshipers of idols are powerless. But we have power from on high day after day. We are more than conquerors through Christ who saved us. God's Spirit moves in us to produce the fruit in us that we have, that we can have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faith and gentleness and the control of the Holy Spirit himself. Never lose the importance of praising our God. Amen. His mercy is great. His power is, is immense. His judgments are always right. His superiority is without a doubt. The psalmist now turns to God's people and encourages everyone to praise the Lord. In verses 19 through 21, he said, Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. He speaks to all of Israel there. O house of Israel, bless the Lord, praise the Lord. He speaks to the house of Aaron specifically, to the priests of the temple. And he says, he calls to them to bless the Lord and praise him. 
He speaks to the Levites specifically who worked in and around the temple, and he calls to them to praise. And then he says, all who fear him, all believers, he calls us to bless the Lord and praise him. Praise the Lord, all his people. If we just stop and think about the fact that we know God personally, we have a relationship with God the only true and living God, we have a relationship with Him. The creator of the universe and everything around us. Boy, we cannot help but to praise the Lord. God is with us every day. He comforts and He guides us. He's our helper. And He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We have this help and we have His, we, uh, He will give us the strength that we need for each day. He'll give us the patience that we need. He'll give us the grace that we need. He'll give us the wisdom that we need. Anything and everything that he needs, he will provide. We just need to praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 150 verse 6 reminds us, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In our